Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I'm your host, Matt Polanski. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Josh Wilson and Bunno GP. And we're going to get straight into it today because we have, even though there wasn't a lot happening this week, we do have a bunch of news we want to try to touch on. Uh, we're going to talk some news. We're going to talk Red Bull Rookies Cup. We're going to talk Moto E, Moto 3, Moto 2, Moto GP. So, guys, we're going to get straight into it. And we uh, unlocked a podcast achievement last week where we made statements on our last episode and then immediately had those statements trampled on by the news. We said last week when Suzuki signed that Aprilia hadn't signed and they immediately signed the day after. We made statements that about the three new rookies we could see coming in and Sky VR 46 announces they're adding to the grid, which adds two more spots. And then KTM extends their deal with uh, Tech 3 through 2026. But so, yeah, we've we finally you know hit that podcast goal of having our news crushed and as soon as the episode comes out. Yeah, so, they're all uh, listening. Yeah. Yeah, they're all listening in and just whatever we're like, oh, yeah, Proya hasn't signed yet. What does this mean? Oh, Proya signed. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to predict the next, rook- the th- next three rookies. There's going to be five. Awesome. Yeah, just so, start, uh, start getting wilder with your predictions, Matt, and yeah. you see wilder things happening. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on that news? Uh, yeah, we got a pro year staying for 20, through 2026. We got Sky VR46 coming next season. And we got KTM staying with Tech 3 through 2026. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think as well, just to point out, with the, the Rossi deal, it's not an actual... Well, it might it might be two more bikes because that that's kind of what they're hinting at. But there's also this Grassini Rossi debate where who's going to take maybe another two Ducatis and the mm-hmm. Avin- well the Avintia and current Rossi cross with Bastianini Marini team that might be taken by VR46 and the other two bikes that are going to be added on will be Grassini. So there will effectively be two more uh, bikes yeah, at but- least too far. Yeah, at least two um, more, yeah. which is apparently what Dorna want anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, I did I did hear that Aleish is actually a big fan of the podcast. So he heard us saying about Aprilia and he just went, look, we, we've got a sign. Now now that we've pointed out that they've not extended the deal, they, uh, they said they've heard enough. So yeah, they've extended. <laughs> yeah. Josh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I'm happy all around. I think yeah, a lot more stability. It's good to see uh, Aprilia. Um, you know, putting pen to paper and extending. I guess they really um, believe in the the place in the sport, and they believe that they can keep improving and maybe start challenging for you know podiums and wins on a regular basis. Um, of course, the sooner Rossi, you know, the VR forty six uh, and all that gets sorted out, the better. And it'd be good to see Grassini get involved as well. I'm looking forward to that. Um, of course, I I don't think they'll partner with Aprilia. It looks like maybe Ducati they're going to be partnering up with. I'm not sure. Do you know? Or well, maybe Suzuki. Or Suzuki. Possibly. Suzuki have also been mentioned because Suzuki have kind of hinted at it before wanting to add two more bikes, but mm-hmm. it has also been mentioned on that point since losing Davide Brivio, yeah. who was the former team manager, team uh, kind of director, if you like, a Suzuki, who's now gone to F1. That's kind of put a little bit of a spanner in the works in terms mm. of being able to manage the Suzuki project. So I think Suzuki are trying to just 
restable themselves, if you like, into the Suzuki team, the Suzuki yeah. factory. So Grassini will probably go with Aprilia or Ducati, but it's also in talks that VR46 might go with Ducati. So it's like, is there going to be like 20 Ducatis on the grid? Yeah, how many, how many yeah. Ducatis? Surely um, it'll mean they win the manufacturer. Yeah. If, if they, they don't, don't they're then... doing something wrong, aren't they? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's kind of, it, it has put a little bit of a dampener on what we were saying last week because I think, Josh, you were saying, uh, do you reckon it'll be down to their performance on, you know, if they f- see themselves as competitive? And we were all like, mm. yeah, yeah, well, you know, we'll go with Dovi's test at Mugello and we'll go with how well they do at tracks that they might suit the bike. And they kind of didn't and they've just signed anyway. But it, I mean, it's good to see them in this sport anyway because again it's another manufacturer another yeah. constructor and it's you know it's kind of nice to see a bike that i mean i know there's only a leash on it that's being competitive at the minute but it is nice to see a different bike altogether be in the mix so i'm happy with the prelia staying i think it's good i'd like to see maybe kawasaki or bmw or someone like that i don't think it, that will happen for a long 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 time no but it you know we can all dream, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be nice to have them too in the sport. Um, I think Kawasaki very much focuses on um, world superbikes at the moment, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I could BMW maybe sniffing around. I definitely think you know they could they could kind of jump into the MotoGP realms. Definitely, that would be cool. I'd like to see definitely. BMW. Yeah. So uh, moving on. Uh... We're going to talk about something we haven't really talked about, uh, mainly because, I don't know about you guys, I didn't know, I couldn't watch the Red Bull Rookies Cup over here until I found last night they play replays of the races on Red Bull TV. So as soon as I saw them, I was like, I'm going to watch these. And I we missed the first round. They were in uh, Portimao. So this is... The second round, uh, they did two races at Jerez. Uh, the first race is the one I really want to get on because it had one of the most wild starts I've ever seen. So they go around for the warm-up lap. They line up on the grid, and they have the you know lady with the red flag standing in front, guy in the back waves the green flag, flaggers go off, lights turn red, and about... A second or two after the lights turn red, I'm going to try to pronounce this guy's name. Barth, it's B-A-R-T-H-O-L-O-M-E. Bartholomew? Bartholomew, maybe? We're we're just going to go with his last name, Perrin, P-E-R-R-I-N. So he launches, and it's not like a normal, like, oops, I jump-started. No, he launches, passes the whole field before he finally like looks over and realizes, oh, nobody's going. And was like, oh, skirt, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> as soon as he passed the start finish line, you could see the front, like the guys on the front grid just looking around like, what is happening? And it was like the guy in second or third finally realized, oh, the lights went out and took off. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. thought no one would notice. I don't know. Yeah, I think everyone was under the impression like, oh, are we are we like restarting because of that or something? Because it's one of them that you don't really know what to do until it actually happens, and it happens, and you're like, wait, are we, are we 
are we starting or like have I missed something or everyone looks so confused but it's it is like what we said off air that it's a little bit like the Jorge Lorenzo 2014 uh, Austin incident where he kind of jump started and then just went I'm gonna have to just grin and bear it but this guy this Bartholomew he 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 just he started way earlier than what it should have been and then just went you know what I'm not even going to hesitate. I'm just going to go for it. And luckily, I think it got red flagged, didn't it? It did. It got red flagged after lap two or during lap two. Uh, they pulled in and they claim. I'm going to try to find the wording here in this article I found. Uh, they basically oh, red flagged following uh, technical issues with the starting equipment. <laughs> Well, Got you. <laughs> that is the verbiage it, the, that MotoGP put out. Um, and it was funny because the commentators are like, well, what do we do? Everybody went and they're like, where is he? And they finally got a camera angle. And I want to say it was like turn three. And he's already through turn four and taking off out of view. Shall this isn't the AI in MotoGP 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It was just... It was such a wild event. Like, you're watching this, like, what is happening? Like, what are they? They have to stop it. They, and the commentators were saying, uh, do they give them a double, like, have them go into the pits? Like, do a, a pit lane penalty? Do you give them double long laps? You know, and they finally just went with, well, let's red flag it. Let's figure out what happened and then reset the grid. And that's what they did. They ran through, they did a sighting lap lined up on the grid, did another warm-up lap, lined up on the grid again, and restarted the race and went, we're just going to do 10 laps. Those first two laps didn't even happen. Yeah. It, the um, the Lorenzo incident, if my memory serves me correct, I believe he had a ride-through penalty. I think that's the penalty for jump-starting. In fact, I'm, I'm 99% sure it is because Carl Crutchlow had one at Argentina 2019 i think it was and he um he jumped the start by millimeters and he had to do a ride through so um that's that would have been his penalty but i think if anything they should have made him probably ride to portimao and back with how much of a <laughs> gap he got from the start he just he literally just thought i'm just gonna do a practice start and then <laughs> it was brilliant to be fair anybody listening if you've not seen it just search red bull rookies hereth 2021 and i guarantee it will come up you've got to go and watch this star because it's just it's the the, best thing i've seen all weekend to be fair the funniest part is it wasn't like he was first uh, like on the first row on the second row no he's in the very back (laughs) he's in like 21st place or something and you can't miss him because from the camera angle, he's top right in this bright yellow helmet. And as soon as he goes, you're just like, he passes the whole field. <laughs> it's not like he passed like the lead, like one row and was gone. No, he passed 20 some other riders and never even stopped. <laughs> like never yeah. tried to like <laughs> jam on the brakes and be like, oh shit, I, you know, I jumped it or like tried to stop. He was just like, well, this is how it's going. I'll see what happens. <laughs> so anybody listening that doesn't know how to qualify, maybe on the game, maybe in real life, you don't need to qualify. Just just set off when you want to set off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, looking at the uh, final results, it was David Munoz who won. Uh, Ivan Ortola? 
This is going to be fun. Oh, listen to these pronunciations. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the American try to pronounce Spanish names. And Diego Moriera. I did hear Matt Dunn say that one. So thanks, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah, race two. Not as much uh, going on this one. It was pretty simple. Right? I like I said, I've never watched Red Bull's Rookies Cup. I uh, didn't know how to watch it. These races are very similar to Moto3 races. Yeah. Like, the bikes are almost identical. It's the same close racing. Uh, it's it's really, it's like you get to watch more Moto3. Mm. Yeah, they are pretty, well, you say identical. They are literally 250cc four-cylinder mm. you know, Moto3, but that's, that, that's literally what they are, but they're just all on KTMs. Yeah. Um, they're all on equal machinery. It's just how they set up the bike. That is literally it. So it's even more equal. Like literally, the guy that maybe our good friend that jump started this week might win next week. Like it, it is pretty um, equal when it comes down to the spoiler alert. Bike. He didn't win the race, second race. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> Probably getting his wrist slapped in the. Uh... He came dead last. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a good championship to watch if you if you're into. The uh, Moto3 races, I do recommend anybody going to watch them if you've got a spare 20 minutes, half an hour on the Red Bull uh, TV thing. It's free, that is, because I've mm-hmm. got an account. I, there's a few things on yep. there that are quite good for MotoGP. Quite mm. good quite good little yeah, championship the... to watch. So you, you get to see people like Acosta come through and whatnot. You know, you get to see these good talents come through and see how yeah. they do. But yeah, for uh, race two, we had Daniel Ogaldo. Diego Moriera again and Alex Milan. Um, the championship as it stands, because hey, like he's like Bunna just said, you could see the next Pedro Acosta coming through here. So these are kids you want to keep an eye on. Uh, Holgado leads with 71 points. <laughs> it's weird seeing this name. Alonzo <laughs> is with 67, and Moriera is with. 64 so i mean even those the uh standings are really tight you got 71 points 67 64 58 you drop down to 48 but then 40 it's it's all really close and you know it's it's one of those racing series where the guy who finishes first in one race could finish dead last the next race yeah there is no it's not like f1 where it's like oh well these are probably going to be the front runners yeah, that Holgado is a very good talent as well. I mean, they are, they, there's a lot of good talent in that class. A lot of good talent. There always is every year. But um, I definitely need to watch those two races again and uh, keep on top of Red Bull rookies. I usually do. I usually watch a lot of CEV and CIV and whatnot. I know Josh doesn't really. Do you watch much of the uh, other ones, Josh, or not? Any of the no, other not ones? really. Just, just stick to Panama the... to GP, really. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's good, good, good entertainment. Uh, it's always good to watch. But, yeah, now that yeah. I now that I know where to watch them, I'm I'm gonna definitely. It's, it'll be a Sunday evening thing. You know, sit with with a glass of your favorite alcoholic beverage and watch kids go around on speedy bikes. Um, speaking of speedy bikes, we're gonna get into the Moto E race. Uh, uh- as we tend to do on this uh, MotoGP podcast. Yeah. Hey, it's under, it's on the website, so we should talk about it. 
Yeah. This was their first race. Uh, it was kind of interesting because a few of these riders are new to the series. Um, one of which will had you know a little bit of controversy. Uh, the finishers were uh, in first place Zacone, second place a a, a girder, and fourth place was Torres. Yes, I'm horrible with name. Uh, not finish. So Paralari went off on lap one. Uh, Cardalus went off in lap five, and this would. I, I, Bono, did you watch this? Um, I did watch some of the highlights of Moto E. Like okay. I said, I, I was very busy around Sunday. I literally watched Moto Three, Moto Two, and GP, and then tried to watch some of the clips of Moto E because I did make a prediction of having Agata as my winner, but I didn't. Jo- off. Josh, did you watch this at all? No, I didn't. I didn't get to see Moto E. Okay. Uh, well, the one incident, and it was between a rookie and someone who's been racing in the series for a couple years. So, Tulovic and Aldegaro were, I, I don't know what turn it is. I'm horrible with remembering little details like that. But it was like, Tulovic tried to come on the inside, and Aldegaro just clipped off his front nose. Took them both out. As they got up, you could see that they were both just sort of angry with each other. And it was one of those incidents like, I I really don't know who's to blame because Tulovic's coming up on the inside. Aldegaro can't see him behind him. He's looking all the way through the turn and just tries to take his line. It was almost like two riders tried to occupy the same space and it just didn't work out for either of them in the end. Yeah, it's um, the thing is with Moto E that I don't think people may realize that might not watch it too often is that these bikes are ridiculously heavy bikes, mm-hmm. like the weight of them are they're just insane. So you're lunging in at the speeds that they're doing with like the uh, it's just completely different feel in general. So like you've got to have a lot of confidence in terms of like sending it up the inside of anybody in any corner anyway. But like Moto E. The bikes look like they're as light as anything because mainly because the sound kind of deceives you, but they're mm-hmm. um, the weight of them is ridiculous. Like, yeah. So overtaking with them might seem like they're very hesitant, but it's mainly due to the weight. Hmm. Yeah, I mean those battery packs alone can be. I want to say like I don't know what it would be in uh, metric, but they can easily be like five hundred pounds. I mean, they are heavy battery packs, and they're sort of they're positioned in the same place as a gas tank, uh, like MotoGP bike. So to really like move them around, and it's even scarier when you see them flipping through the air mm. when riders go down on them, or when you see Dominic Agata try and if you can't crash in the race, he tries to crash after he's finished it and fly yeah. into the second corner as a gravel trap. But yeah. But yeah, I mean the it was an interesting race. Uh the the top three sort of pulled away from the rest of the field, just looking at the times here. I mean, 
second place was within point one point four one nine. Third was within point six one four, and then from there it drops down to four seconds, six six eight. There even there was a guy who was a lap down in this race, which is quite um, rare for Moto E. Yeah, for any Moto, unless yeah. you crash and can your bike isn't destroyed. It's really weird to see, like, to look at these results and see somebody that's where it says one lap. Yeah, you don't really get that in bike racing like you do in Mm-mm. a lot of car racing. But, um, yeah, it's still very early days with Moto either. I think, you know, we're still yet to see the best racing and the best, you know, competitiveness of Moto E. It's still, still a learning curve with Moto E in general, so... Um, I think it'll only get better. I think it'll only get closer, and the the um, the pull factor, if you like, for Moto E will only increase in terms of the the quality of riders that come in, because obviously it's another way of getting into the MotoGP paddock. If you come into Moto E and you're really competitive and really up there with the best, then you could find yourself maybe get a Moto Two wild card ride, and then you never know how things might turn out. So, um, yeah. Be interesting to see how Moto E, the next round of Moto E goes. And I mean, like you were saying about a lot of these teams in Moto E are Moto GP or Moto 2 or Moto 3 teams. I mean, you got Pramac, you've got, uh, you've got Gr- Cini is in here. Uh, if you're a uh, Moto E cool, yeah. at least. Yeah, I'll um, watch the next round of Moto E just so that I'm a little bit more on top of things in terms of talking about it on here. But yeah, I, I, I kept. A good eye on it last year with like not the every week. You sort of have to look on the MotoGP app and find at the bottom where it says. Includes you know, it, it, it always has been. They tend to do sometimes they do like double rounds, like double headers. Mm-hmm. But motorway, they probably I think they do what seven races, eight rate like eight rounds. But I believe they are they racing at Le Mans. They did last year. Yeah, yeah they the are. next round. Yeah, they're... So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, moving on, we're in a competitive Red Bull fan it in.
infuriated me. Darren Ben. ended up 20 seconds or yeah the last, last corner, corner of the last, of the lap, last yeah. lap yeah, yeah. yeah. and comes and wipes them both <laughs> on you comes in just too hot and fast and like has to run wide but as he runs wide hits massier who goes down in front of bender who cannot do anything at this point he's just no, he's in just a passenger yeah so the all three of those get wiped out, which then you know allows Fanati and Alcoba to jump in. I was so excited. I like coming in the last lap. I had not I didn't I didn't go on social media yesterday. I didn't look up any of the results for Moto 3, didn't know how it ended. And I'm watching this last lap and I'm like, we're gonna get a Red Bull podium. It's gonna be an all Red Bull podium. And I'm so excited. And then I watched on you come in so hot and take out the, our chances. And I, I said, I messaged you guys, like, I just want to grab him and shake him and be like, why can't you be more patient? <laughs> you had it. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, he, he, it, was, it wasn't our deal, was it? I, I, I'm watching this and I, I finished watching it and I because something we got to talk about with Acosta winning, he becomes the first rider in MotoGP history of the whole thing. It's started in the 40s. He's the first rookie to podium in his first four races. Some fate. Like, it's what we are seeing is this is like watching Messi or Ronaldo. You, you're ne- you just be lucky you get to witness this. Yeah, it's once in a generation, really. Something mm-hmm. like this comes along. Someone like this comes along. Um, and, and he, he just he doesn't it doesn't seem like he's going to be stopping anytime soon in in breaking records, in my opinion. No. But like, I was sitting there watching. I I was watching him go to the podium and stuff, and I'm like, I I know I should be happy for the kid. But I, I'm just so furious because, they, like, our, like the chances of a Red Bull podium are just gone. Yeah. It was, I think it was, it bordered on desperate from Onchu what he tried doing. Mm-hmm. I guess it, you know, just on the inside, um, just with what late on the brakes or too, too hard on the brakes, and that was it. it I do feel sorry for Darren Binder because he was well and Masia because they were just passengers. Especially with Masia because mm-hmm. he kind of Masia fought his way up from tenth, ninth, maybe something like that around there from the start or early on. Um, so to obviously kind of be taken out like that at the last last corner is like very demoralising. Because um, he was, you know, that's Dennis' championship. Because I think he was second behind um, Acosta going into the race and obviously that's kind of now he's he's i think he's fourth maybe or fifth I'm not too sure maybe third but it, yeah that is not what anyone needed especially against acosta because i think it's you know it's become apparent that you need 
at every point you can get to come close to him. If anyone's going to challenge him for the for the title. Yeah, Massey started 15th. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be well good. Very, very yeah, good. That, that was another thing you saw in this. Like, some of the names, you know, Massey started 15th. Acosta started 13th. Anhu started 10th. Bender was 7th. So for some of these riders to get from where they were up to the lead mm. was a feat on their own. And you're just like, all right, just be cool. And nobody screw this up. And this is going to be amazing. And it yeah. immediately got screwed up. Well, I mean, starting from the, well, from the outset, I mean, who did we have? The classic John McPhee. That high side he had early on. Wow. I, I mean, I, I wasn't going to bring it up because I'm sure that would oh. hurt you guys. <laughs> it's just Go absolutely. To. I think he's done. He must have done some awful in a past life to me to to get in this treatment in Moto G Moto Three because he literally. Uh, what was it? He was he was on the what third fourth corner out of the fourth corner onto that straight uh, on the first yeah. lap. And wasn't it? I'm trying to think. Lap, but... Wasn't it at the turn coming up turn seven, or am I, am I think, or was it at the third corner? I can't quite remember. But I either way, yeah, it was, I was just like, like it, I, I'm adamant. There's like a sniper at every Grand Prix. <laughs> like it just keeps getting <laughs> taken out at every Grand Prix. It's doing my head in, but um, especially with just, that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will just put my piece in there, and I don't think Matt's going to like this, but I do yeah. actually feel, <laughs> I do feel sorry for Onchu because. Only because that kid was my pick for last week, and I genuinely do think he's in, he's improved every week this season's gone by. And put yourself in like Hervé Pontrell's shoes. If you were his team manager, being Hervé Pontrell, you would be sitting there screaming if he wouldn't have lunged into that last corner. That last corner at Jerez is made to say, send it. And he sent it, and it didn't work out, but... He led for most of that race. So for him to go for that, you know, it's one of them. It's six of one, half and half a dozen, sorry, of the other. And it's like, if you didn't lunge, you'd be saying, why are you not lunging? It's the last corner. Mm. It's the last lap. You've got to go for it. Yeah, he's taken Masir out and it's not his fault. And yeah, he's taken Binder out. And it's not his fault. But I just thought I'd put it out there in, in protecting my my young Dennis Onchu and saying <laughs> that like, yeah, it's his fault. I'm not denying that. I just think... It, he, he yeah, did have a great race. Beside that, he had a great, great race. People, people oh, would yeah. say it's, it's what Acosta would have done in that in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did. I, I I sent it to um. I sent it to both of you. I know Matt saw it. Did you see it, Josh? Yeah. With yeah, um, I saw that. That looked. There, that there's looked, a picture out there was... for anyone listening that basically went on to went down. Binder obviously got caught up in it, and his his front brake disc went across the neck of Dennis Onchu. And mm-hmm. um, we, I don't think we'll post it on Twitter, but you'll be able to find it on Twitter somewhere. Um, but it's a pretty lucky getaway, I would say, for as far mm. as injuries go in MotoGP. Uh, I, it's one of them. It's like a freak accident that could have gone horrifically bad. Yes. Like a break yeah. disc to the neck is not well, as simple as like just a quick tap or anything. I, you know, that's you lethal. Think- and you figure the brakes on these bikes are hundreds of degrees, especially mm-hmm. you're you're braking to go into the last corner, so those brakes are going to be 
not red hot, but they're going to be up there in temperature. So not only did it like like scrape his skin, it also burned him at the same time. Probably would have, probably would have cauterized the wound. <laughs> yeah. As it was cutting, it was that warm. But yeah, we're lucky escape really. Because mm-hmm. if, if it was like really bad, I guess it wouldn't have been, it'd have been quite horrible to see. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's definitely something like, and I, I after you sent that, I'm looking. I'm like, God, I'm just so thankful the kid's okay. But still, just be patient. Yeah, I'm sorry, Matt, but I, I know it's biased coming into it. But no kid in the world or any rider, and I know you're he's sitting there currently. If anyone listening, he's he's, he's pointing to his Red Bull KTM T-shirt, um, <laughs> but it, you know. If I if guys? I'm a team manager there, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm mad at him because he's crashed, but I'd be more <laughs> mad at him for not trying. I think I I might sound like an idiot for saying that, but for me, you've you've got to go for it. No no one at Hareth last corner just sits and accepts whatever position they're in. No one, absolutely no one. So sorry, Matt. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those double edged swords because like you you look at the result that happened and you want to be like. You, you could have just been a little more patient. Would you have finished in first? Probably not. But you could have gotten you know, a high points finish. You definitely would have been top five. But at the same time, you also have to be like, you know, yeah, try to get as high as you can and, you know, go for every position. Just... Try not to let happen what did happen. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see Dennis up there because mm-hmm. I don't know. I've just got a bit of a soft spot for Dennis Onchu and Chan Onchu because watching them years ago in the the uh, Honda Team Age, not the, the Honda Talent Cup, the Asia Talent Cup, sorry. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a, not like a Costa, but it was, they just had this gold dust around them that they were just these amazing brothers that were coming through the ranks that you just thought they were going to skyrocket through and he's he's hit a bit of a bump in Moto3 in that he's not quite progressed as much as what I would have thought he would have done and I just just watching it I did feel a little bit bad for him but obviously not as bad as what I probably felt for Darren Binder and for Messiah but you know like Josh says you, you don't want to be giving any more points to Acosta as it is so to be taken out as his teammate being Messiah and to lose 25 points to him, you're, you're not best pleased, are you? No. Oh. So who's um, so who everyone's rider of, rider of the day from Moto3? Ooh. <clears throat> um, Can I pick Pedro Costa and just have the easy getaway? <laughs> like, <laughs> get, get out of jail, can I like... pick Acosta? Um, I'm going to go I've got mine. with... I've got mine as well. All right, I'm going to go with, I'm hoping I'm not still on his pick, Dennis Onhu. And here's why. Hold on. Here's why. Although <laughs> you he just did sat fucking, there and slated uh, uh, yes, him for the last yes. 10 minutes, and now you're picking him as your driver. I've had to justify for you not wanting to kill the man, and now you're picking him as your rider of the day. <laughs> say I wanted to kill him. It's I just right. said I wanted to, like, shake him a little bit. Like, you. The, the shake that you've just done on camera to me looked more like a strangle <laughs> than a shake. <laughs> I'm going to go with Homer Simpson. Watch. <laughs> but 
he for that whole race he did so good and like like you said he he has so much potential and he he really showed that he could lead a moto three race that he did have that potential and it was just like that last corner i it almost seemed like desperation that did him in but the whole rest of the race you can't deny he did amazing to come from where he did you know halfway back through the grid to leading that race and you know the commentators are even saying like he's one of the only turkish riders to ever lead a like a moto gp race it's like him and his brother are the only people that uh, turkish mm. riders to ever do it so he did amazing i will not deny him that it's just you know yeah that last that last corner did him in but i, I can't deny how good he did you can't deny how good he did. Hmm. How good he did throughout the race until that last corner. That hurt you to say, didn't it? That that did hurt you to just man up and just swallow your uh, pride and joy and just say, you know what? He had a good race. He did. I will not deny him that. He had a great race. It's just uh, the way it ended was not what you wanted to see. You mean not what you wanted to see with the yes. Red Bull KTM? <laughs> It's not what a Red Bull fan wants to see. Go on then, Josh. I'll let I'll let you go next. And if you pick mine, then I'll have to just pick somebody else. But... <laughs> um, I'll go with Alcova. Um, simply the fact that he managed to get you know a third third place. Obviously, through virtue of two two rivals crashing out or three rivals crashing out to two. Um, but I'd say he deserves that since he got two long lap penalties. Um. And I know they're not that effective at Hareth, but you know, to have two long lap penalties and still get yourself on the podium, I think he did, did quite a solid job. I'd go with Alcoba. Just to let you know, John McPhee's just sent a uh, hitman for you just to <laughs> say that you've picked Alcoba. I don't think he'd be that happy. <laughs> my, my, my pick's not going to be McPhee because, as we know, he's uh, crashed out. But my pick is going to be uh, Jason DePasquier because, again... One of them riders that I think you look at the result and you probably think, you know, seventh place, not that special really. But he's one of them that last year he was a bit like the the Max Koffler in that, you know, you were thinking, is he going to ever improve off that like back grid, back back row of the grid? And this year, I've got to say, I'm massively impressed with De Pasquier. Like he he's had some sessions where he's he's knocking around the top five, the top ten, but in races not quite worked out for him so to get a top 10 finish and a top well to get seventh place i thought was a uh brilliant ride so i'll pick i'll pick jason de for my ride of the day moto three all right moving on to moto two Th this race was uh, i don't know how i felt about this race because the field seemed to spread out more and more as the race went on and you really didn't get that much of close racing uh mm. our the final the podium ended up being DG Antonio Bedzeki and Lowe's um yeah as you as you shake your hands in victory with the British rider <laughs> not, uh, not victory but we we take a podium we take a podium yeah, yeah. uh is there another British rider in... Yeah, Jake Dixon. 
Oh, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted for Jake. Jake got concussion in warm-up. Oh, that's right. Mm. So I'm like, why am so I not gutted. seeing him on yeah. the list here? Oh, honestly, he's another one. Like, I think it's a Patronus British thing. I honestly do. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what are we doing at Patronus to, to like, just injure or, like, throw our eyes um, off? Like, just Lewis Hamilton is, like... Manifesting and harnessing the look, he's taking it all of, for him. Of all the other British Patronas riders, yeah. and drivers, <laughs> he's just taking it all for himself. Yeah. Just he can't catch a break, can he, Jake? Like, nah. And the th- and I will be honest, this is this is as little bias involved as possible. But all jokes aside, I really do see a top top rider in Jake Dixon. I really do. Like after Le Mans last year when he crashed out. It was like you could see it in him that he knew he was good enough to win that race if it had not crashed out. And it, it gives me like this Joe Roberts vibe where he just needs that good top result. And I mm. think it'll then just roll for him. I think it's just one of them. Once he gets mm. that good result in, it'll be off and running. That's what I think about Jake. But obviously, he just can't can't catch a break at the minute, which no. is quite sad to see. Not, not have Jake in there. But yeah. obviously, not to make it all... American UK type thing, but I was pulling my hair out of it with Cameron Bobehe last lap. Yeah, what was he going to go and he bins it? I guess he felt, oh, well, it's on someone from America to mess up, so <laughs> best be me. <laughs> that was because uh, you're watching, and I like, I wasn't like, as I watch Moto 2 races, I'm watching, you know, where the camera is, and every once in a while I'll look over at the like. Or the like the positions, and I'm like, okay, where's Cam? Where's Joe? Okay, and I'm like, I'm looking over, and then all of a sudden it popped up, crash, Cameron Bobby. I'm like, what the? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> like, uh, that's all you can really do is like. Now I'm starting to understand how you guys feel with McPhee. <laughs> you just had to throw that one in there, didn't you? You just had to. <laughs> Had to throw it in there again. That we've we've already moved on from Moto Three, but he's he's keen on. Re- re- he has to. He just has it, to. Yeah. Just dig the knife a little deeper. Well, I'll I'll say on send it a hitman to you. <laughs> I'll get one back. But, it's all right because I think if you look on the podium, I don't think there was any American flag on the podium. <laughs> nope. Was there a British one, Matt? Just just remind me. There was. Uh, there's also two Italians. So. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. No, no American one though. No, no. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> other po- other names have mentioned. Remy Gardner finished fourth. Raúl Fernandez yeah. finished fifth. So, yeah, solid results for them. I think Remy mm-hmm. Gardner's still leading the championship. Is he not? I believe um, so. Yeah, I think he's nine nine points ahead of um, Sam Lowe's. So seven points, um, but. Yeah, I, obviously, Gardner and Fernandez not to get on the podium is probably, you know, quite frustrating. I think, but at the same time, keeping up that consistency, which is you know a, something that you need to win any championship, is consistency. And I think they're, they're maintaining that. And of course, you know, touchwood, fingers crossed. The Sam Lowe's has already crashed out one race, and if all they have to do is avoid DNFing, and and they're probably halfway there to you know, getting the championship or, or being in contention for the championship. So I think they'll, they'll both be happy with that result. I would say as well that Bezeki 
seems to have found something that he's not quite had in the first three races. Mm. Looks a different, not not I wouldn't say a different rider, but is he's kind of been in the last three races. It looks like he's been missing that last tenth to be Bezeki. Do you know what I mean? I think in Areth you could see that he he definitely made that last step to because uh, the previous races, the last ten laps or so, he was just dropping off massively. But mm. this this race just gone in Areth, he um, you know, he was firing on all cylinders other than catching Digi. But Digi was in the league of his own. I mean, what a race he had! That that's. I didn't really see it coming. I, I thought, you know, he, he's been looking good, but I would never have said that he'd have gone to the front and just, you know, had his own race, really. Yeah, true. Um, Agora had a decent race as well. I think, what, did he finish seventh? Um, yeah, yep. So that, not bad for him. I think he's he's kind of proven himself or showing what, what he's capable of. Uh, especially with being a rookie. And, of course, Joe Roberts, the other American, managed to get eighth, which I think is disappointing for Joe Roberts. I do ex- always expect him to be further up the field. I think he's just a tiny bit inconsistent at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I-, I would say that about Joe. He- Portimao, I thought that was, like, his step. I thought, Port- look, coming out of Portimao, I thought, right, he- you know, he's going to be going to be up there and fighting again at, um, at Areth. But, Hopefully, just relating it back to last year, did he qualify pole at Le Mans last year and then get taken off the grid? If memory serves me right, that sounds about right for I think, yeah. Joe Roberts. Yeah, because um, they, uh, they released a documentary, I want to say yeah. it was on MotoGP. Yeah, it was Star- all was about Stars Robert. and Stripes. Was that what it was yeah. called? And they, yeah, and that was one of the races they were with him at. Yeah. yeah. So he, he goes well around Le Mans. He does go very mm-hmm. well around him on. And I, he actually managed to drag it back because obviously he got take, taken off the grid and went from pit lane. I think he dragged it up to a fairly decent result. I think he got like top six, top eight, something like that last year. So Le Mans a very good track for Joe last year. Can he do it this year and maybe start his, I don't want to say title challenge because I don't know. Do you either of you see Roberts as a title challenger? I just don't see him in that same caliber no, as like your lowest. There's, there's and, too many other... Kind of, yeah, you know, it's competitive. There's too much competition. Too many of the good riders, I think, this season. I think Roberts is like a best of the rest category. So last year in France, he managed to get sixth place. Oh, my memory did serve me all right then. But yeah, <laughs> he um, he well, it it, I mean, I know it's all if buts and maybes, and it means nothing. But I think if he didn't have that problem with the pit lane start, he could have challenged Lowe's and Dixon for the win. Because obviously mm. Dixon crashed out, like I said earlier, and then Lowe's went on to win it. But um, yeah, ho- hopefully for Joe Roberts' sake, he can turn it around at Le Mans. I'd like to yeah. see it because he, mm-hmm. we all know he's good enough. It's just, right. he, I, I think, like I said with Dixon, he's one of them. He needs a he needs a podium, if not a win, to get his you know, get his momentum going and to be up there regularly, to know he's capable of doing it. Do you know what I mean? Mm, definitely. Right. Who was, um, again, who was uh, both of your rider of the days then? Rider of the day. I think See, this was I, an easy, quite an easy one for me. I, to... I, I think, I don't want to make, I, I don't want to make a rule necessarily because it's only something a bit of fun, but I feel like picking the race 
winners a little bit like a get out. I feel like we should pick somebody. Yeah, else. Right. I, 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 I want to pick that. Digi. Do you know what I, mean? I want to pick Digi because on on not the best Calix on the grid, and the whole Grassini story. It was just so nice to see. Yeah, I, I was, Digi win. I was going to pick Digi just because again the Grassini story is quite poetic, but more because of how he just controlled the race from pretty much yeah. the off. Yeah, I, I don't mean, see. I mean. You take oh, Rossini's yeah. story out of it, his, his race was brilliant, but that race was so well controlled. He didn't mm. push for like four or five seconds, even though it looked like he had the pace. He looked comfortable when he was breaking away. He didn't look like he was pushing. Mm. He could have you know, pushed his luck and gone for an even further break. He just got to two or three seconds and just sat on it all race. Yeah. Brilliant race. Um, go on then. Who wants to go first with ride of the day? Matt? See, and this is a harder one because I usually with Rider of the Day, it's like you want to you know vote for someone who had like an excellent, like a, an extremely good race, uh, or you want to like pick the biggest mover. But like, I really don't feel like like everyone finished roughly where you would think they were, aside from DG. <sighs> Well, if you like, then I'll pick mine. I'll go with Iagora. Okay. Um, mm. Just because I think, as a rookie, he, to be fair, this might sound a little bit, not arrogant, but for the size of Iagora, I would have never have thought, especially on the bike that he's on, he would have been the one coming up for Moto3 and be the one kind of pulling the trees up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't have put him down as the guy to be knocking around a top six, seven, eight kind of position. I wouldn't have said that. And even from the first race, he's looked he's looked competitive and he's looked good. So I'll pick Agora just because another solid result. So that's my pick. Yeah, um, I'll go with a Bizecchi then. Um, I think he, he had a solid race as well, really. Um, second place wasn't really troubled as much as... Um, you know, as much as third place was, uh, he seems to just hold his own in that position. And it is the Bezecchi that I think we should have seen at the beginning of the season that we just didn't. Um, and kind of going forward, I'm hoping we see more of, you know, this Bezecchi who, who's in, you know, more favourable posi- uh, you know, position where he's able to control the race like he did this time in second. So I'll go with the Bezecchi for my rider of the of the day. Yeah, this uh, this Bezeki was definitely more improved. I back that. It's a good, it's a good pick. Struggling, Matt. Yeah, this is really hard to pick. Just pick Sam Lewis. It's all right. You know, mm-hmm. we can we can take you onto this side. I thought about that. I'm like, I can't do that. You could, all right, then pick Cameron Bobier. <laughs> yeah. Pick, okay. You pick, you pick I'll Cameron. You picked Andrew who crashed out on the last lap, so you can pick yeah. Cameron who crashed out on the last lap. That's that's my pick, Cam. <laughs> Obviously, no disrespect to Cameron Bobier, but like you know, no. just to go with the theme. I mean, was there any MotoGP rider? No MotoGP rider that crashed out on the last lap, so you might have no, to go. That's what I'm looking to, at. You know, you might have to pick somebody else. Any reason but for Cameron? Do you want to give a quick rundown on I, why why I pick I, Cameron? I, he he's showing potential. I mean, he was running up higher than he had before. Um, 
you know, he it, it shows he's learning. He he is making progress in this series. Uh, you know, most people expected him to come in and be like, oh, he'll be middle or back of the pack. He's just going to be, you know, sort of putzing around back there, learning how to do things. No, he's actually coming in and like, like trying to be as competitive as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's something you love to see because a lot of times with a field, especially this big with how many riders there are, it is possible to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. And for him to come in and be like, no, I'm going to do some stuff in this series. Yeah, it's it's good to see. Right then. But, uh, onto, onto the big boys then, eh? Yep. On to the meats and potatoes of us podcast, uh, <laughs> MotoGP. So, for our starting lineup, in 23rd, we have good old Tito Rabat. 22nd, not flat dead last for a change, Lorenzo Salvadori. We got, in 21st, like Wona. He must have had a bonus, surely. Sorry, not to cut yeah. you off. Salvadori yeah. must have got a bonus for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not starting yeah. on last position. <laughs> uh, 20th. So probably the clause in it was as long as it's not Rabat behind you, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you get a bonus as long as you finish above Rabat. Twentieth, uh, we have Alex Marquez. Nineteenth, Petrucci. Eighteenth, Marini. Cover your ears. Seventeenth, Rossi. Sixteenth, <laughs> Oliveira. Fifteenth, Bastianini. Fourteenth, Mark Marquez. In 13th, Polis Bargaro. 12th, we have Broddle. In 11th, we have Brad Bender. In 10th, we have Juan Mir. In 9th, we have Rins. 8th, Alacious Bargaro. 7th, Ma- Maverick Vinales. 6th, Zarco. 5th, Nakagami. 4th, Banyaya. And 3rd, Miller. 2nd, in a stunning front row, Morbidelli. And in first, we have Quattararo. And I say a stunning first row because, I mean, the past races, you know, like in the last race, he started showing that he was, Morbidelli was making steps, you know, to, his, I mean, Qatar was not good to him. No. So to come in to the last race in Portugal, you know, you started seeing like, all right, he he's kind of getting a hang of this bike. And then to play second was just like, Okay, now Frankie's back. I'm hoping it's not a one-off, and we are seeing kind of a the, the Frankie of last season because mm-hmm. I, I, I think obviously the championship needs it, and I think Frankie and Patronus Yamaha need it definitely. Yeah, we've definitely seen a better Morbidelli, which is nice to see considering last year he won. How many races did he win last three? year? Three. Three. Yeah. Yep. To win three races and constantly fight for podiums and kind of be the dark horse, I think, last year in terms of mm. Yamaha's expectations. To then come into the next year and just be fighting around for points, it's it want it was not nice to see just in general, whether you know, whichever kind of team you like to see win. Morbid everyone knows Morbidelli is capable of winning races, obviously. Yeah. So um it's nice to see him back up near the front, down near the right end, I think, for Morbidelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, getting into the race, I mean, there's only a couple talking points I can really think of for the race. Uh, 
the first one has to be Jack Miller and Banyaya first second, ending a 15 year streak of Ducati not winning in her res. I mean, coming comes in twos. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, and it's, I mean, Miller rode the hell out of this bike. I mean, he was almost two seconds ahead of Banyaya at the end there. Uh, it's weird because, and again, like, like I was saying earlier at the beginning of the podcast, we make comments and then get shit on <laughs> because we said Ducati's not good at Jerez and Ducati went, oh yeah, let's show you what this is. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm giving myself um, half a point because I, I did say it was, I did say Zarko would win the race, but Oh, come I mean, on. That, that's, that is scraping the barrel. That is. I, that's not even the same team. That's just yeah, scraping the barrel, though. I'm giving myself half a point because it, it was a it's good like, well, one, it, so. it was a Ducati, so it <laughs> kind of counts. So a quarter, a quarter of a point then. Yeah. Here we go. On the, on the leaderboard, we have Josh Wilson on a quarter of a point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I know what you mean, to be fair. You did, when, when you said Zarka last week, I remember. I remember saying to myself, like, Zarco, of all the people, Zarco. But, I mean, like, I, I predicted Quattararo and, like, yes, good result for, for Miller, great result. Nice to see him win because, obviously, he's never had a dry race win in MotoGP. And it was nice to see Pekka as well. Yeah. But my Yamaha allegiance does want to kill itself because... <laughs> Be- the I, other uh, talking point. Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> We uh, we all saw what happened, and it, what we seem to think, well, we know now, is arm pump for Quattararo. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that, we would have uh, we've had a, would have had four in a row for the Men in Blue. So um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I just want to go on record. I had to look up what arm pump was because I did not. I've I've never heard of it until started following MotoGP, and I wasn't really sure what it was. I thought it was maybe like another way of saying like carpal tunnel or something like that. Yeah, quite a few riders have had it in the past. I think the the main one that kind of got documented very heavily was Danny Pedrosa. Crutchlow. And, and oh, Crutchlow, okay. yeah. But, I was about to say, Crutch, the article I found showed Crutchlow had both arms done at the yeah. same time. Yeah, mm. which is kind of weird. In, I mean, not weird, but it tends to only be in one arm. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Most, most people that have it is in one arm, but Pedrosa had it massively um, documented when when he had his i mean for anybody listening that does know anything like in past years danny pedrosa is basically like the test subject of MotoGP. i mean he's probably broken every bone in his body yeah he was like uh, the most injury injury prone yeah and, 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 and again, yeah i don't like talking yeah. if buts and maybes but if danny pedrosa wouldn't have been injured as much as he would have done guaranteed world champion guaranteed yeah, at like, least once that is what yeah in terms of the, ch- the the people that are like the champions that never were he's like top of the list for me mm, like, how he never won a title is mad but yeah arm pump is just one of them things that i think everyone was saying tires was it you know was it something and, like uh, a mechanical failure or anything or was it possibly arm pump or was it a combination of everything and I did speak to Josh before we started recording, mm. and I thought, well, part of me thought it was a repeat of Austria last year with Yamaha, where the brakes went, because obviously Quattararo went wide at a corner and then kind of sat up, and I thought, yeah. 
maybe because it's the same bike let's not forget that these are the same mm-hmm. bikes as last year um pretty much so i was thinking maybe a break you know the brakes have gone and because he started like dropping back so quickly i thought are the brakes just starting to just you know bleed more and more and just kind of die like they did last year for maverick um and for everybody else but i, I did think it was that but as we learned it was arm pump and just so weird because he just looked in such good shape. I, I even yeah. tweeted and I jinxed it, but b- besides jinxing it, Fabio looked so good when he got to the front and he started mm-hmm. chipping away tenths. You could like he's one of them that he looks slow, but if you actually like just watch him ride, he's so fast. Like yeah, in terms get- of like just his body position and the way he suits the Yamaha, he just looks so fast around like the last like section of her through those like fast right handers i was like this is going to be four or five seconds at least but yeah once he gets into a rhythm he's he's very smooth yeah and it, he doesn't it literally is lorenzo it is what yeah. i'm of definitely yeah. but it, i mean it was just rotten luck it, it, you can tell it was bad just by the because he lifted up his visor at the end of the mm-hmm. on the cool down lap and you could just see the pain yeah, that yeah, if you want the him, was yeah, if you want the the visual representation of pain, that that is it. Like he mm. was, he was in pain. Like, mm. and to be fair, I will give Ducati the dues that they deserve. That when they when BT Sport interviewed Davide Tardozzi, um from Ducati, the first thing that he did come out and say was was basically in translation without being too PR like friendly. He basically said, "We have only one." Because of Fabio, you know, pulling over. Yeah. If if not, there was no, you know, we 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 weren't catching him. And Jack came out and said it as well. Jack Miller came out and yeah. said, "Look, Fabio pulling over surprised me because I knew I weren't going to catch him." So, you know, but again, he did he did pull over and he did slow down. It is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you he know, still got it, three points. He did. Which, to be fair, a lot of people would be like, "It's a bad result." But as we've seen and like we say. You get to the end of the year; those three points can win you a world title. So exactly, imagine yeah. he wins by three points, and that's what I know, mean. There was, there was kind of, or he, imagine if he pulls in, he, he pulls into the pit thinking, "I'm not doing this race anymore," and then he goes and loses championship by two or three points. It, yeah. It's just one of those things; it can they all stack up. Yeah, it's um, it's it's probably the best he could have got from. I mean, obviously, you can't really relate how bad arm pump is because it's different for everybody. But like you say, I think we all firmly understood he was in a hell yeah. of a lot of pain. You could tell. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are made of something different. And for them to be looking like that after a, after a race, you know, I, I felt physically like sick seeing his face just yeah. like wincing. You could see the pain. So... You know, but like I say, he he did pull over and it ended like it did. But in order to finish for, in order to finish first, first you've got to finish. So I mean, yes. fair play to yeah. Ducati on a track that, like we said, they won't win. It's it's a ref. They, you know, not, Ducati is not going to do that great. And you know, I, I'm scared to make any prediction now. When we do a, if we do a podcast in between, mm. Lamont, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, oh, Aprilia will do awful at, at Le Mans. A man will win. Um, So, Um, yeah, it's it's kind of jinxing everybody, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Along that statement you made there about 
you know, if you want to win, you've got to finish first, you know. I think uh, Alex Marquez should take a take a lead from that book. <laughs> yeah. Another another race. Another I mean, this, this time he, he did a John McPhee and crashed on the first lap as well, so I think he just um, likes it. I think he just likes throwing at the uh, scenery, <laughs> to be honest. Mind he wants, you. He wants a record, I'm sure. Mind you, it's um, it's not like it's not in the Marquez bloodline, is it? Throwing it at That's the uh, scenery, they do they do quite mm-hmm. like a bit of uh, hay bales. I do. He's uh, yeah. I think Marquez. It's just Alex. Well, Alex Marquez. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell if he's just trying too hard or if it's that bike is really really problematic. I think when they've got a bike that's built for Mark, mm. and you look at Alex, yeah, they come from the same, you know kind of build and everything like in terms of how they've learned to ride they don't have the same style that's fact no. um i think alex would suit like an inline sort of bike better than a v4 just because i don't think he's that real aggressive kind of rider i think he's more the smooth rider i think um, he's trying to be aggressive and that's what's costing but him. yeah that's what i mean i think he's trying to transition into this which is you know you've got to do that i suppose but um, it's a little bit reverse kind of way in that, like when you used to watch Paul Sparger on the Tech 3, he'd crash a lot more because he'd be riding it too aggressive for like a Yamaha. And you always thought, you know, he'd always suit an aggressive bike. And obviously, as years have gone by and he's got more and more aggressive, that's why he's ended up at Honda because mm. Alberto Pui just looks at him and gone, yeah, your style does suit a Honda. So I don't know with Alex, it's frustrating but not not the only alex that's frustrating because alex rins likes throwing it at the scenery as well he's another one um <laughs> oh, can we, yeah that's, that's but, yeah we'll move, we'll move on to rins because he's just one of them that like you want to <laughs> sit there you want to sit there and say if he didn't crash he would be up there but that's all he does he just crashes everything that crash <laughs> was so painful to watch because it wasn't even a crash it was just it just it the was bike any out from under him it's like he sneezed, didn't he, like halfway around the yeah. corner? It, it, I don't think he could have gone any slower, that crash. It was just, and it was just typical Alex Rins, just trying to give it, go hell for leather in the first, you know, half or first quarter of the race and just binning it or, or sliding it. I just yeah. couldn't believe it when I saw it. I thought, not again, Alex. I wonder yeah. what his pit crew thinks. Like, they must think, for God's sake, Alex, literally, yeah. stay on the bike for one race. <laughs> I mean, we say it every week, but you've only got to look across the garage, yeah. and you keep you keep hearing this whole thing on Alex Rins will want to be stamping his authority down on who's number one at Suzuki, but the other guy across the garage at Suzuki, even if he's not winning, he's pulling points in yeah. every I mean, single week. Yeah, look at that. So, his fifth. He, he got a fifth, didn't he? Another yeah. quiet race for me, but he's consistent. And where, where is yeah. he in the championship? He's got is to he... be top five or six, surely. Off, I think. Fair. Who's that? You are got... I haven't so pulled up. You have the um, championship pulled up? Yeah. Where's Joan Mir? Fourth. Fourth. There we, are. there we are. For someone who's, you want to say, the apart from the incident with Jack Miller, he's been, he's been quite quiet. There's not really been much to say on him. So to be mm. fourth in the championship, he's just going about his business. And like, this and is, points. yeah, this is the rider that, according to some people, like, you see on Twitter is like, oh, he's he's not the same rider as last year, and Suzuki aren't as good. It's like, I mean, 
He's consistently bringing points back. And mm. if you'd have said that last year, you'd be like, okay, four races in, yeah, he's not really anywhere to be seen, but he won the title last year. So, I mean, mm. your Jean-Mir knows very well from last year bring it home collect some points if you can't if you can't get in that you know top group bring it home don't throw it at the scenery just bring it home yeah he's only got to look across his his garage to think what not to do because exactly just keeps setting the example on what not to do in order to uh, bottle a championship so (laughs) for me rins rins has got to pull his finger out and be he's got to win a few races this year if he wants to even get near this title yeah, he, yeah. He, he has to win two or three races quick. And I can't see yeah. it happening. I'll just put that one no. in there. So, sorry, Rins, if you're listening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking they all of... listen. They all listen yeah. to this. We all know they do. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, looking across the garage and not copying your the other person, uh, Rossi finished 17th. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Morbidelli I... finished third. So there is something going on there. If it's because, uh, like we've talked about, like everybody's heard it. Morbidelli's on a two-year-old bike. You know, is he just so in tune with that bike? Well, it's weird you say that because if I said that, if I said three weeks ago, Morbidelli's so in tune with the bike, you'd have been like, what? You yeah. mean Morbidelli, the one in 15th? He's in tune with the bike. Yeah. The and one who the week, his yeah. launch device was stuck on. Yeah. And if I'd have said it the week before that, said, you know, Rossi's not in tune with the bike, you'd have said, what, the guy that's just qualified fourth at Qatar? Mm-hmm. So Patronus is just up, down, up, down, up, down. Like, yeah. they, the, it's so weird because the last two years before this that they've been in the championship, we've looked at Patronus and been like, they are a consistent. B team, like they are the most consistent B team. They've been up there every race, whether it be just putting it on the front row of the grid with what was Fabio and Morbidelli, whether it was winning a race, whether it was challenging for wins, they were there every week, both of them, Mm -hmm. both of them. And like now, yeah, they've got different, right? We've got Rossi instead of Quattararo. But again, we keep saying, I keep saying it, got on the podium at RF last year. I don't, it doesn't matter what, if you'd got on the podium at 50 years old, at 51, you don't go from third to like 17th kind of. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't drop that much in a year. You just can't. I'm sorry. For me, I can't. Mm. I don't see how that's possible. Whether you're 20, 21 or 40, 41 or whatever. Like, how do you go from that in a year other than, yeah, you're a little bit slower, but that big of a difference, like third to 15th or whatever it was. Like, so to my knowledge, um, Rossi is on a one plus one contract, meaning this year goes however it goes, and based on that, he will either renew or not renew. So the contract is quite literally going to be decided as time goes on. So there's not been any official statement to say that he is or he isn't, but that is how his contract works. Um, But if he gets this team in next year, like they were discussing over the weekend, you can just go and race for your own team. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not much better le- luxury than just going, I own it, so I'm racing in it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he can do as he pleases then, can't he, really? He does, yeah. yeah. We'll have to stay with Rossi. Yeah, well, because, like I said, once I heard those statements, like I was at work listening to this, 
and I, I I had to stop working and just like look up like what are Rossi's plans? And one of the articles I found was saying about how he could possibly ride for his own team and try to bring Marini over. And so it's him and his brother on his team. So, mm. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, you could tell, and he even made comments after the race on Sunday where he just said, battling for 17th place is not fun. It's not where I want to be. You know, so it, it's kind of weird because we've been seeing, you know, statements coming from Franco that he's not happy. He's not happy where he is. He's not happy that he's on a two-year-old bike. He hasn't gotten any of the new equipment. Like, and then you, when he starts doing good, Rossi drops off. And then it's like, Rossi's like, I'm not happy battling for 17th place. So there's definitely something going on in that Patronus team that is mm -hmm. upsetting its riders. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, I, oh, good. No, no, carry on. No, I was just going to say one of the surprises of the uh, this race was Nakagami in fourth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to actually mention like, Nakagami. He rode that bike like his life depended on it. <laughs> I mean, he, it was just. It was one of those names, like, he started fifth, but, like, with the past races, he's either fallen off, or he's had something happen where he's dropping back, so to finally see him, like, qualify high and be able to stay there, yeah, it, it's what you want to see from him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was seven-tenths off Morbidelli as well, so he was, mm -hmm. you know, just so close to getting a podium, because I think, obviously, he's best of a finish has been fourth before, so he's, yep. he's equaled that. But, yeah, what a ride from Nakagami. Um, very impressed with that, especially like coming off the back of Portugal and what, what he went through there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's not forget, he was in a cast in Portugal uh, <laughs> in yep. qualifying. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to curse him, but it's like, you just can't seem to get on the podium. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from his ride, like brilliant ride, but Nakagami this last year or so, it's almost like you're just waiting for him to get on the podium, aren't you? You're just waiting mm. for him to just make that last few laps overtake and just get a third place or whatever. And um it's inevitable really. Either gets like yeah, yeah, he get either gets into a podium position and crashes or doesn't get near the podium places and just misses out. So mm. Hopefully he can. Um, hopefully he can get near the, near, well, on the podium. Would be nice to see yeah. him on it because I think I think he's deserved it really, considering the uh, results and the performance he's got out of the bike, other than mm. finishing on the podium. So I think it'll come, like you say. I think it's inevitable. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you want to move on to rider of the day? Yeah, it's, I was just about to say. Let's get on to rider of the day. Ah. Uh... I'm going to go Taka. Uh, yeah. I, I think he just had, you know, based on what we've seen in past races, like you said, he was in a cast in Portimao. To come out and even do that race was just, like you said before, it shows that these guys are beyond human. So, and then for him to qualify fifth, finish fourth, uh, it, you know, it's... 
he he pretty much was rider of the day. What about you guys? You say you were picking him as well, Josh? No, um, although he's a, he's a good option, I think I might go with. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm a big Peko fan. I think I've I think I tipped him beginning of the season to be one to watch. Um, in like our season preview, so I won't go with Peko though. But he's like an honourable mention. Um, Morbidelli is probably another honourable mention from his, you know, from his previous performances to in a podium this race. But I'll probably go with Espargaro to be honest as my rider of the day. I had the Jaws music in my head. I was just about to say I've got the Jaws music in my head going. He's going to pick mine. He's going to pick mine. And then you spent Espargaro. I was like, no. So I was going slowly down the, the order, wasn't I? Um, oh. Yeah, I'm going to go Espargaro. I think again he's showing he's showing on that Aprilia what that is capable of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the improvements that's made. And to, again, have that, and the, the key thing, again, is consistency. He seems to have some kind of rhythm now. And I have a feeling I'll, I'll probably, you know, a typical case for this podcast. But, you know, I have a feeling he's, go, he's going to go on and be, be consistent throughout the season and probably bag some, some fifth, sixths and sevenths, fourths, maybe even a podium. But obviously now I've said that he won't and he'll crash out every race. But um, yeah, he was my rider of the day, definitely. I had I, I had so much to just sit and <laughs> reel off about Alicia Spargo then, and I was just like, go on then, pick anyone because I thought you were going to pick Bagnaya, Morbidelli, maybe even joining <laughs> on Taka, anyone, <laughs> anyone. I was just sitting there like waiting to list all this off about Alicia, and he picks Alicia because um, obviously. Um, as Aprilia's best ever result in GP is um, is a sixth, so you know he's matched the best ever result. So I was like, mm. you know, I'll, I'll I'll pick him. But then Josh went, you know what? You won't pick him because I'm going to pick him. Um, <laughs> well, I can't think can of who else pick... I can pick. Uh... You, you could always pick the other Sparger. I mean, he finished tenth. <laughs> yeah, for, finished, for... finished behind Marquez. Um, well, uh, the less said about Repsol Honda, the better at the moment. I think they're in a Pretty bad way. I don't know who I'm going to pick here. I think I'll go for... I'll tell you what, I'll go for Morbidelli, as though it might, it might seem quite a basic pick, but just based no. on the form that he's, he's had. No, no. Um, no it's an honourable mention for me, so... And I think it's kind of overlooked in a way of, you know, Ducati, Ducati, Quattararo, Marquez and all this going on. He's just quietly going about his business and got back on the podium. So yeah, I'll pick I'll pick Morbidelli. Thank you very yeah, much, Josh. You figure that you know <laughs> with the stuff that he's gone through in the past races, for him to finish where he did today, like yeah, he deserved. Yeah, it's a solid rider of the day. Yeah, massive uh, confidence boost. Looking at the standings, we have a new leader. Uh, Banyaya has taken first place with sixty six points. We have Quattararo. In second with 64, and we have Maverick Vinales with 50 in third. Mir, some honorable mentions. Mir is in 49th, so uh, Miller is in 49th for the championship. He's in fourth with 49. Where's Rinsen? (laughs) Who's 48th, Matt? Can I just ask who's he got to catch up to in front? Who's in 48th? Tito Rabat currently has no points. Rins is in ninth. Uh, 21st is Rossi. 
I'm not going to say anything. I'm just, I'm just so, gonna, yeah. yeah, he has four points. So this uh, is he, not 49th. <laughs> do you know who's one place above him? His little brother. Oh, wow. <laughs> so weird to say, isn't it? Right. Weird. Same old. They're tied on points, but they have Marini a place above Rossi. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. because Marini would have finished at Portimao, so it would class as like better than a DNF. Mm. Yeah. So, real quick, uh, fantasy. Well, as I pull oh, up I don't... my. I don't want to talk about this. Guess like... who had um guess who had Jack Miller and Pecco in their team? Me. You. <laughs> For anyone in listening, if you if you are still actually sane enough to actually carry on listening <laughs> to us at this point, I took out uh who did I take out again? I forget. Oh, I took Miller out. Miller. I yeah. took Miller out thinking Hareth, you know, Ducati. 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 And I thought, well, I'll bring back in Quattararo, considering it's Yamaha, Hareth, Quattararo. And as we've discussed, the complete opposite happened. So I, I'll be honest with you, every fantasy I've ever done, whether it be football, whether it be bikes, I get four or five matches or races in, and my interest just goes, and it's just going that way. I just, I just, um, oh, I can't have win. Have you had Jack Miller in the whole season so far? Yeah. Yeah, I, I that's, did. That's that is why he's obviously doing well now. You are his. I uh, I, picked, well, no. I picked Jack Miller for all of the Ducati tracks, and he didn't perform. <laughs> and I went, you know what, Jack? I'm not going to put you in for the Yamaha track, and he performed. So you keep him out, you fantasy team. <laughs> to to not sound like a broken record, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I after the after the uh, practices in guitar. I was like, okay, Miller topped him. I think he might be a solid pick. I'm going to pick him. And I kept him in for the first... I had him in as a gold rider for the first race. And then for the second race, I kept him there. And the third race, I'm like, I'm going to drop him back to a silver rider. <laughs> and then he didn't perform well. I'm like, all right, we're going to Jerez. I'm taking him off. I think I replaced him with Juan Mir. But I kept Miguel Oliveira on my team. I had to keep Oliveira on for Hareth just because I had to swap out Miller for a big money move for Quattararo. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, obviously I'll pick Quattararo. It's Hareth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Hareth. He'll he'll win. And I was like, I was so even in the predictions, once Josh went last week, I was like, Quattararo for pole, Quattararo for race win, Quattararo for championship winner. I was like, it's Quattararo season. It's ready. It's it's gonna be. It's gonna happen. And then you put him in your fantasy team. And I put him in my fantasy team, and it just and now none of that will happen. Hits <laughs> up. That's I've had. I had uh, Quattararo and since uh, Portimao. So I was, but I I picked Oliveira because I'm like I I wanted some diversity. I didn't want to have like both Ducati riders on my team because I'm like. Well, no, because it, it, there's a chance that both of them don't finish well. I'm going to keep Ben Yai because he is on fire right now. Mm. But I'm going to drop am... Miller because he hasn't been performing. And I'm like, who can I pick? I'm like, oh, Juan Mir. He's a good pick. He's, he'll get me solid points. And <laughs> then I look at Oliveira has got me 7.5 points. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair. And you know what will happen? I'll take Oliveira off and, and he'll, he'll win. win next race. <laughs> he'll we're win going, like we're going the, Lamar. 
Yeah, he'll win at like the least KTM track. He'll win at like Magellan <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But Ugh. to be fair, my um my fancy lineup now is let me just touch wood. Where's some wood? Okay. I'm touching wood right now. That I, I think my fancy lineup now is very strong as I, you know, <laughs> swallow my pride while saying that. <laughs> in that I have my gold riders are Yoan Mir and Quattararo, mm-hmm. which is strong. I have Yamaha, obviously. And my soul riders are Miller and Zarko. So to have those four, I'd say that's a very like yeah, surely not all four of them can do bad. I've got Suzuki, I've got arguably the best Yamaha at the minute, and I've got the previous race winner and Josh's championship winner prediction. You just um say them again so I can take them out of my squad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so, it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Quattararo will it, it'll probably just crash. It'll, it'll probably not even start. He'll probably forget to go to Le Mans or something. Yoan Mir will... His, he'll get a wrong plane ticket or something. Yeah, he'll be at Magella like a week early. <laughs> um, I mean, if we ever do a race prediction, obviously I'll just ask you what your team is and then I'll just pick someone who is yeah. in your team. And you'll predict them as the, the DNFs. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird because the first few races I was... I was knocking them out of the pot. I predicted qualifying time right at Portimao, <laughs> other than though it got chalked off. And then now I'm predicting the most obvious of obvious race winners. But yeah, I, I literally picked all of the riders like that were the most obvious ones, and then it just just went pear shaped. So yeah, I've um I've lost I've lost all faith basically in my predictions. <laughs> I think Ant Man's still winning. He's he's quite a country mile in front. I'm in second after that. Performance, yeah, but that, that's a one-off for me. To be fair, um, I had to replace Martin because he's injured still. So, mm-hmm. I put I think I put Morbidelli in. So, obviously, for Liman, I've still got Miller and Bangnaya, and I'm not really expecting much from them. Uh, really, Liman's. You're not. You're not predicting. You're not expecting much from Ducati at Le Mans. Um, only because I've just you know I've gotten both in my squad and they've. Both done a one-two at Hareth. You're almost thinking that there's too much. It's going to be too good to be true. To yeah, like, especially that. in my dream team, it's too good to be true. I'm I mean, expecting Miller to crash and Bagnaia to probably finish in like eighth or ninth. Eighth or ninth. <laughs> but the judging purely going off my dream team. Okay. Honestly, I mean, teams. yeah, I, I think because um, they won there last year with Petrucci, I think. I don't know. I don't want to make a prediction because obviously we've got the podcast coming up in the in the middle of Le Mans, so we'll do mm-hmm. more predictions for that then. But yeah, I, I can genuinely see. Uh, I'm just looking at my four riders now: Yoan Mir, current world champion; Quattararo, the hot prospect of like you know, if anyone's going to win that you'd put your money on anyone, it'd probably be him. Miller, previous race winner, and Zarco. The dark horse of dark horses to always come <laughs> out with a result. How on earth can I not get good points at Le Mans? I've got two Frenchmen, and I'll manage to like mess this up at Le Mans. I will. <laughs> it can't. Surely it can't. But yeah. uh, looking at the standings for our league, uh, we have Ant Man Motorcycles in first place on four hundred and three. Uh, Josh with Tiger Motorsport. It with 353, uh, I think Ant Man is losing us. Yeah, he's, uh, he's 
He's pulling away. Yeah. Third place, my team, Ren's 1010 with <laughs> 348. We've got Bunno GP with 342. So Bunno and I are. I've slowed. Yep. Uh, then we got uh, this name Haka Naka Wakagami <laughs> with 310.5. We got Matic Motorsports with 308, Buffalo Bills with 305, S07 with 299.5, Triple 765er with 298.5, and Pandora's Box with 265.5. So we need to uh, up our game then, Matt. Mm. Uh, well, and if you look at the standings, uh, Ant Man Motorsports has already used uh, one of his boosts. I was just about to uh, say, I, I nearly used my boost on quite a lot of ref. I was I've apparently there. used one, and I have no idea when I did it. Yeah. Well, that, that's all right for him, because he's actually at the top, but you've used one and you're not at the top, so you're probably going to be yeah. like, where, where have I used that then? <laughs> I, I have no idea it, when yeah. I even used it. I'm terrible with them. I think they used, in F1, I used my Mega Driver on Verstappen at Mugello. And he crashed oh out on the first lap, so... <laughs> <laughs> he, only, he crashed out the second corner, didn't he? Yeah, and I think Mega yep. Driver in F1 Fantasy is like triple points or something, so... It's <laughs> like, like triple it. negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might... I might if, I, if I had an F1 team, I might put my uh, Mega Driver on Mazepin every race, if that's possible. So <laughs> get me plenty of I mean, I mean, if you're going off likelihood that he'll spin out, probably. <laughs> spin drive. <laughs> Yeah. Whoever does the so, most donuts on, on accident, get, you get more points. He'd be a top of, top of your leaderboard, he would be. Yeah. So I think that's it for today, boys. That uh, is it, yeah. Be sure to uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you can. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RedSectorMotoGP. Uh, you can follow us individually. I'm Matt Polanski1. Got BunOGP and it was Wilson J194. 194. I was close. Almost had it. Uh, so, yeah, just. Uh, oh, and we're on YouTube. I can't forget the YouTube. We are taking over Bono's channel. I, I, I do. do I, uh, I do spend a lot of time trying to get these episodes out as quick as we can, as we saw last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to get them out on YouTube. So, if you are listening, it is. Um, there's, there is a bit of effort actually going into these as much as we kind of sit here and just rant and whatnot. Ramble. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's quite nice to have it out on YouTube now. So if you're listening mm-hmm. on YouTube, then thank you very much because it's much appreciated. Yeah. So with that. Yeah.